Hey, y'all, I'm going to take a second to give a quick shout out to the official mortgage lender of the Hunt Lifty podcast. That's Casey Burns of Prime Lending Mortgage. I've known Casey for 10 years and he's the only lender I use. I've used Casey to purchase two houses and the process has been seamless and easy each time. He's the heart of an educator and he truly cares about what's best for his clients. He specializes in VA loans, but can handle FHA conventional investment loans as well. He's a true expert and specialist in his field, and there's no one I recommend more than Casey. You can contact Casey at casey.burns at primelending.com. Reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at www.closewithcasey.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunt Lift Deep podcast brought to you by Hunt Lift Deep Official. My name is Carter McKenzie. Um, we got a special episode this week. Um, I'm joined by two familiar faces, I guess voices from this point of view. We got Perry. What's going on, Perry? Not much, brother. Good to be here. Excited for uh, tonight's conversation. Yeah, me, me too. I appreciate you jumping on here. And we got Caleb coming at us from Colorado. What's going on? What's going Caleb? on, guys? You know, avoiding that Denver traffic right now. I'm actually pretty excited for this one. I've been following uh, Nomadic and, and Western Rookie for a while. You guys are badass. You got some sweet podcasts, so it should be some good conversations, man. Yeah. And more important than uh, both those two jokers, we got our guest tonight. We got Dan Matthews, uh, host of a couple different podcasts, The Nomadic Outdoorsman and The Western Rookie, two of which I'm a big fan of. Um, and I guess you're kind of like a, a little famous uh, on the on the TikTok sphere as well, Dan. So welcome to the podcast, man. How are you doing? Dude, I'm doing pretty good. And uh, thanks for having me. As long as you don't use the term influencer, I'm good with anything. All right. <laughs> we can we can talk about anything as long as you don't pull that one out. Yeah, I'm good with not using that. I don't I don't know if it really fits the realm of of the hunting world. Uh, yeah, I can see how that would be a uh, a no no kind of topic there. <laughs> yeah, we I mean we enjoy making content, and really the whole foot in the door for TikTok was my wife said, "Hey, use it as a free marketing tool for your podcast," and I'm like, "Okay," but isn't it all like 16 year old girls who dance and do stupid things that their parents would be ashamed of on TikTok, <laughs> and she's like no i mean you can actually make fun content and i started doing it and pretty quickly realized you know you can't you can't post firearms you can't show dead animals and i'm like well i'm a hunter and that's all hunting media is these days i'm gonna hit the comedic side of it or being married to a hunter and so we dove in full on with it and uh yeah now apparently i've got a bunch of people that care what i have to say <laughs> yeah, man. And that's how I found you, which, you know, I sh shamelessly or maybe shamefully, I had a TikTok account. I'm a high school teacher. And so I like to stay up to date in the know on what's going on with my kids so I can appear less old than I actually am and uh, still have a, a, a pulse on what's going on. And uh, the algorithm brought me to you, man. I'm, I'm on hunting and gardening TikTok. And uh, I came across the Nomadic Outdoorsman that route. And quickly realized, oh, this guy's onto something. Um, TikTok is clearly the the now and the future of of social media, and this guy's making uh, what is a tough industry to use in in social media because we we know hunting gets throttled on Instagram and, and Facebook. Um, using that as a you know very uh, using it very well and uh, adeptly from the humor side of things. You know, that actually brings a good point, Carter. I'm kind of curious if you were dancing in a garden when you found this and you saw him doing it or what kind of TikToks were you watching when this all happened and uh, you got turned on to him? Because I'm not really sure if I've seen dancing, gardening, 
hunting in the same context. Look, man, this I'm kind of curious. This isn't about me. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stick with Dan here. <laughs> and if you got any questions for me, dancing in my garden afterwards, I'm happy to happy to fill you in, Caleb. <laughs> I think you're onto something. I think you could really, I mean, just break wide open the the dancing gardener market. And I don't think we should shy away from that in this conversation. I can just picture Elmer Fudd right now. Well, hunting wabbits. <laughs> if you'd ever turkey hunted with Carter, you'd know that's not far off. <laughs> <laughs> but to your to your uh, Instagram or Instagram page and and on TikTok, Dan, um, what kind of when did you realize that TikTok like this like oh crap this has some traction like this I could really make a go of this? Well, it it was actually a complete surprise to me. My wife made it all happen. She she kind of did a secretive TikTok on mine. I I had posted like twice maybe, had I think like 90 followers and she decided that she was going to make a TikTok video about me quitting my job, pursuing podcasting and pursuing the other passions that I have full time. And she told me she's like, "Hey, I really want to take time as a family this weekend. I think we should just stay off social media for a while and like just spend time together." And I'm like, that's fine with me. I'm not, I'm hardly ever on anyways. Really what that was is she didn't want me to see the posts. And so over the course of that weekend, I went from, I think it was 90 followers to 16,000. And that same weekend, I went from 90 total listens on my first 15 podcast episodes to 5,000. And I was like, wow, this is insane. And she showed me it and I'm watching it and I, or she opens the page and I'm like, whose account is this? They've got 16,000 followers. She's like, that's yours. We're doing this right. And so from there, then on, she's had me make any number. I mean, anything and everything you can think of when it comes to TikTok, I'm doing all the stupid trends a lot that I'm ashamed of. I try not to watch them back. So just post it and forget it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you put it out of mind, and then the problem is when I'm hanging out with the guys, they're like, dude, Dan, I saw that stupid video you made. And I'm like, yeah, just I'm going to try to block everybody that I know <laughs> on TikTok. Yeah, well, you can, to your credit, you can be like, hey, it got uh, 300,000 views. So what do you want from me, buddy? <laughs> oh, everybody's like, man, the, uh, some of us have to work for a living. Not everybody can shake our butts on a camera. And I was like, yeah, but uh, you guys don't hunt as much as I do either, so you can't really give me a hard time for it. Yeah, when you when you do it in camo, it makes it look all the all the better. So there you go. Found your you found your gotta be careful. Yeah, you got to be careful how good of camo you put on. Otherwise, it's just a floating head and hands dancing around. <laughs> right. I'm curious. Is this going to lead to camofansonly.com? Like, what's going to happen next with this camo only? <laughs> How are we gonna How are we gonna progress this? Because I'm all about the next thing. I'm all about the next trend. Man, if I if I'm on public land hunting and I see some weird stuff in a tree stand, I'm just gonna have to find my own property to hunt from now on. I did see uh, you uh, reacted to somebody who did. Uh, I, f- I forget the guy's name. I wish I could give him credit, but Granny's Got Land.com. That is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I, that, that takes that takes getting or acquiring hunting property to a whole new level. And yeah. I've been trying to share this secret with other hunters. I want to start a, a hot 
chick rental business where you just use them as a hot wingman to get property because I took my wife out and in that one morning that I took her out, I got full access to hunt anything and everything I wanted on two properties. I only went to two and the only reason I was going there was for one day of rabbit hunting. That's all I was asking permission and they just offered everything else up to me. So that's my issue. Everybody I hunt with is too ugly, man. That's my first problem. I uh, I don't know how to feel about that, Carter. We spent a lot of time hunting together this spring. <laughs> yep, and I still don't have access to all these properties, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's That's it's the funny. same concept as like a baby, a baby or a puppy rental service. You know, if you're trying to go and pick up a chick at the park, if you have a baby like your your nephew or your niece, you bring them with. You're guaranteed to get a couple numbers, right? And I just feel like it's the same, same deal with bringing a hot chick out and trying to get hunting permission. I don't know about you guys, but I'd appreciate it if you quit spilling all the guts, like on every little niche that I've got, except I focus on grannies that have property. And then I just go fix fence without a shirt on cowboy boots, rock it out, make it look good. Next thing you know, I've got hunting access anywhere I want. Oh, I, I I'm self-made and self-independent. Okay. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> I love it. Well, you've navigated TikTok extremely well, Dan. Um, it's really impressive. And well, I guess a lot of credit should uh, go to your wife as well, because y'all really tag team the social media. And it's it's really impressive because, like I said before, the you know how well uh, Instagram and, and, and Facebook appreciate um, hunting and outdoor content. And if there's any blood, if there's any firearm, you know, gripping grins don't even do that well. Um, so you've navigated that extremely well and you've made hunting content relatable to other hunters without the grip and grins, without the, you know, it's not just a dude holding a big giant deer, which still gets me fired up. Like I love those pictures just as much as the next, but it's been done and it's been overdone and approaching it from a humorous side of things. And also like, I really love that you're approaching it as like uh, you and your wife are a team because you very much are a team. Yeah, we, we try to do everything together. I mean, she definitely doesn't come out and hunt a ton with me. Um, she, she did get her first deer two seasons ago, and she's excited to do a little bit more of that. But the she's got some really, really great strong points when it comes to discovering how to work different social media platforms, pages, whether it's Pinterest or Instagram or Facebook. I mean, she learned all of this on her own. She didn't she didn't have a background in it before. She just said, Hey, how do I get my stuff out there more? She started looking at algorithms, figuring out how many hashtags you needed to put on everything. So it really was from the ground up. And we just pair that with my humor. And I see, I, I mean, I don't think I'm the funniest dude in the world, but when it comes to hunting, I know the pain points. I know what most hunters can relate to, whether it's on public, private, or just having hunting buddies who are tough to deal with. Yeah, dude, it's really relatable. Um, I was laughing out loud by myself when I watched your TikTok recently where you were, it was a Forrest Gump voiceover and you were talking about getting a new pair of boots and you were like, uh, it was the line from Forrest Gump where he's like, I wish I had shoes like that. Those must be comfortable shoes. And uh, it was, your caption was like trying to get my, let my wife, you know, get me to buy new hunting boots or whatever. And uh I was like, yeah, I know this man's looking at a pair of Kenetrex or, you know, Danners or whatever. And, you know, there's some there's some numbers attached to that that price point. And I was like, that's so relatable. Like, I love that. 
I never thought my days would consist of me scrolling social media to get new ideas for marketing or whatever, but I have a really good time finding those videos that have 50 million views and then instantly just switching them to be hunting related. And I, I tell people all the time, no matter what industry you're into, use social media as an advertising tool and you can take all of the content that you find and somehow turn it, whether you're selling cars, washing windows, it doesn't matter. You can make it funny and relatable. I think that's a huge part of your success too, is you understand your target audience and you know how to reach them in a different manner of which, like you were saying, Carter, that, that you don't necessarily see all the time. Like I said, you always see the grip and grins. We always see the landscape photos, but trying to connect with a, a target audience on a different level that's a little bit more relatable to a personal side is marketing 101. That's exactly how you increase productivity, you increase sales, you increase visual. It's it's fun. It's exciting to watch you do it too, because well, quite frankly, like you said, there's very few people in the industry that have tried it or done it or even succeeded at it. Yeah, and part of part of the success I feel like is how late to the game the hunting and outdoor industry is to a lot of things. I, I was joking with somebody the other day. I'm like, I'm pretty sure most big time hunters are still using MySpace um, because they just take so long to jump on board with new stuff. And everybody that I've actually talked to in the in the industry, big companies, they're like, dude, you nailed it on the head. Everybody just uh, they they wait to see if it's successful, but by the time they jump into it they've kind of lost that grassroots part of it. I think that's exactly right. And I'm, I'm as guilty of that as anybody. I mean, hell, I didn't get an Instagram until I think it was last year. I just fought it for so long. You know, I had a Facebook account that I'd started in college and Luke for years and then, you know, other guys are like, dude, you gotta get on Instagram. Wait, there's a ton of hunting content. You can follow guys. There's all sorts of, there's all sorts of valuable information that you can take, even if you have no interest in like, scrolling reels on social media. Um, but there's a ton of, there's a ton of resources to be, um, you know, to be gleaned. And I mean, hell, what, what Hunter, what married Hunter hasn't found himself in that position of like looking at his wife and going, I know these boots cost more than all of the shoes in your closet, but I'm going to Idaho and I can't have my feet given out on me because I found myself in that exact same position last year. And my wife's going, this is an obscene amount of money to spend for a pair of boots. And I'm like, I get it, but I'm going to be able to walk all day and it's not going to hurt my feet. It's going to be worth it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you're exactly right. Yeah, we will hit the financial side of it pretty hard a lot because that is a pain point. I mean, we've had that pain point for years. She's like, I thought, I thought you just got a new gun. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, what little you know about a hunter. Um, or I thought you just, I thought you just got a new release or new boots or whatever. And I'm like, you can never have too much of any of it. Um, and so I think pairing, pairing those pain points with humor and then also one thing I encourage everybody to do when they're starting out a business or social media podcast, no matter what it is, respond to everybody. Like right out of the gate, the number one thing you can do is engage people, especially on social media, because every time you respond to the comment that they left, it brings them back to your page and racks up the watches as they're responding to you again. And so maybe one person's responsible for 15 views if I leave them a long message and they have to read the whole thing while my video replays over and over. So there's there's little tips and tricks like that, but 
um, yeah, being relatable and then actually being relatable person to person and not just with the content that you make. Yeah. Just being a, a normal human being is, uh, always, always a pro and always helpful whenever you're building those, those relationships beyond the, the Instagram page. And it's honestly something that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of lost in, in a lot of, you know, more traditional social media accounts. I mean, that's kind of the reason why a lot of those folks get the followers they have is because it they, they doesn't seem like they're a normal person. It seems like they're out there living this, this glamorous life that's unattainable or, or, you know, just has, but, you know, to, to, to make it for, for a niche industry like hunting and hunters who may not have interest in a lot of those other, those other externalities that are typically um, get the views and, and really work the algorithm on social media. I mean, I think that's, I think you, I think you certainly uh, hit the nail on the head. Well, I think another side of that too is staying true to who you are, right? When you start this program or this profile or whatever it is that you're trying to do, you've got to have a vision and mindset of what you want to do with it. And you have to stay true to it. If you're a down to home earth kind of guy in four months, don't be a, don't be a product sponsoring, posting nothing, but I love this, this, that, and that be who true to who you are. You know, if you're the guy that wakes up and drinks three beers before he goes and hikes 10 miles, post about it, talk about it, be true, be real with the people around you. And the other side of that too, is try to be real in those conversations back and forth with those guys that are writing you on there. It's not easy to respond to everybody. It's very difficult because you know, you're going to have a hundred different messages every other hour. But try to, when you can, be real with them. Listen to what they're saying and respond res- respond accordingly. Definitely be a real person, and it's going to change the whole game for you. Yeah, and one one thing that I started out doing, you know, I wanted to be like everybody else. I wanted to get the biggest name people on my podcast. I wanted, you know, the Steve Rinellas and the Randy Newbergs and, um, you know, the Bone Collector crew, all the people that everybody already knew about. And it wasn't until... <laughs> I didn't even really reach out to any big name people yet. I I was just interviewing friends and I was like, man, people keep leaving messages about loving how relatable it is. I'm not spending $15,000 on a hunt and going and picking out the bull that I want to shoot before I actually get out there. People like to hear about things that they can actually do themselves. And at that point, I just threw some stuff out on social media Hey, if you want to talk about hunting, it doesn't matter how many followers you have, hit me up. And if I've got like an opening or time, we're going to do it. And I did. And I had 500 messages over the weekend. I read through every one of them, responded to every one of them. And uh, yeah, I started going from there to only talking to like no name people. Some random dude from Kentucky or Georgia or Florida will hop on and talk about how much he loves catching rattlesnakes or shooting iguanas with a blowgun. It doesn't matter to me. We'll talk about it all. People like, people love authenticity and that's, that's your brand, Dan. And, uh, it's, it's really admirable and it's nice to know that people still appreciate authenticity in this world of social media with big giant accounts. And, you know, I may do some questionable things to be able to talk to Randy Newberg for an hour. Like, That'd be awesome. Like, that'd be so sweet. But, uh, you know, I've had some phenomenal conversations with these fellas on here as well that are, you know, probably just as fulfilling. And But the, the authenticity, that goes a long way, man. All right. I've got to know, though, has anybody shipped you iguana that they actually killed? Because I've got to know what that's, that's that can't taste good. 
there's no way on this planet that a guana tastes decent. So I heard the opposite. I have not had it yet. I was actually going to go blow darting iguanas. I, I watched the guy. In fact, I'll have to send you guys his name. Um, but he shoots them and he's got like a reel. So it's like a, imagine a fishing pole turned into a blowgun and he shoots them and then reels them in. And apparently they taste really, really good. He's like, dude, come down. We'll go kill some pythons and iguanas. Okay, sure. I've, I've actually heard that same thing. And it, it's like, you know, a lot of these, these iguanas, they're not native to that part of Florida, right? These are invasive species that were brought in as part of the pet industry. Same with the pythons. They've been released. But then there's this like, <laughs> you want to talk about a niche. I mean, to be a blowgun iguana hunter, that's a, that's a pretty, it's a pretty niche activity. But there's these guys that have like discovered that apparently, and I, again, I haven't tried it, Caleb, so I, I can't attest to it personally, but I've heard that there's these guys that have discovered that they actually taste pretty good and they can go, you know, convince people down in Florida to let them, let them shoot iguanas and then actually barter the iguana meat as part of that trade, which is kind of fascinating. He sounds like our kind of guy, man. He really does. I mean, I would, I would love to talk with that guy. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. I just wrote out an entire business plan in my head because I've always wanted to move to Florida and go golfing every day of my life. I might just start iguana guiding LLC and we might just have to have blow blow darting iguanas as my main primary source of income moving forward. Well, we got to include Dan cause he pitched the idea to us. So, Hey, yeah, no, I'm sorry, Dan. Like it's already been, count- no, sorry. You're out. <laughs> Dang man. I'm going to, I'm going to, no, there's no way to sabotage this now. Um, it is fun though. Like the different requests that I get people telling me, Hey man, you should come up to Pennsylvania and bear hunt just the other day. And I recorded an episode with them like the first day that I had ever talked to them. We got a message, my wife and I did, about a couple that wants us to go to South Africa and hunt with them. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what? Like just being relatable gets you all these opportunities. And so we're legitimately talking about going to South Africa in April and doing a hunt over there. Dude, I listened to that episode yesterday when I was working out and I was like, you, you were very transparent. You were like, hey, we got on the phone with these folks before we started recording to make sure they were like real people. And then you got this husband and wife on the show and it was you and your wife uh, hosting them. It's your most recent episode on the Nomadic Outdoorsman, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I was blown away the entire time. I was floored. And I, what I loved the most was how like your excitement kept increasing throughout the entire <laughs> episode your entire conversation with those folks because like the deal kept getting sweeter and sweeter and it was like (laughs) the prices like we're hitting the right price points and that was getting you fired up and their story was like awesome and they're painting this beautiful picture over there and that was that's wild i can't believe like i mean you should totally go on that trip like that's amazing yeah, we're going to do our best to hop on that trip. And you should have seen me. If you thought the excitement was coming through on the podcast, as soon as I got off, I looked at the price sheet for the different animals and I was losing my mind. And my wife is worrying about the home we're trying to build. She's like, okay, so we can't have a room for our children anymore if you hunt that. And yeah. we don't have a garage. Um, so we're going to figure it out to where there's some compromise. But I really do hope that we make it on that trip. Yeah, I love that, man. And that's really cool in and of itself. And I love that they're a husband and wife and they kind of tackle, they started their own company and they're, she's all about 
um, traveling and hunting with, with spouses and kind of the inclusion of, of everybody. And, you know, that's something that's really important and something I love about your pages, your dynamic with your wife and the inclusion there. And I think that's really important. And I think that's something that's can be lacking or something that can be put on the back burner when we're planning these hunts and these trips. Um, you know, I'm going to Montana this November and I got lucky enough to get invited to go to Hawaii in September to go hunt axes. And, uh, it's easy to jump on those opportunities and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. I want to go hunt mule deer with a bow in October. Yeah. I want to go do this, this, and this, but you know, um, you're, you're a father, correct, Dan? Yeah, that's right. We've got, we've got two little ones. Uh, I've got a son Canyon. He's five and my daughter is Ember. She's four. And my wife is currently pregnant right now, but it's not ours. She's having a baby for somebody else. So, uh, I think we're done with kids though. Right. 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 And so like you have your own kids, your wife is pregnant and then you, you know, you, it sounds like you're the exact same way me, Perry and Caleb are. We're going to hunt in the, when it's hunting season, regardless, we, we have to, or we'll self implode. And so, you know, including everybody in the picture is, is so important. So how do you kind of, how have you found success in, in navigating that type of situation? You know, just making my passion not only known to my wife, but involving everybody in it. Like me shooting an animal is not the most important thing that I do every year or every time I go out. The amount of people that I connect with and just invite. I mean, I've got roughly 300 acres of land that I can hunt and nobody else has access to, but I'm I'm able to invite them out. And almost every time I hunt, I just bring somebody else with me. It might be a family member, a friend, I mean, my wife or kids. And so getting, getting not only my family, but <laughs> you can kind of play the game too, where if you get your buddy to hunt with you, make sure your wives get together while you go and hunt so they don't feel like they're just stuck back doing nothing. So you kind of set up like a girl date while you guys go out. And so yeah, including everybody making sure even when I'm gone that they're set, they're they're having a good time. Or when I get back, I just am as loving as possible to my wife and kids. And it's she's going to be a lot more prone to let me go out next time. I absolutely love this topic because I it's one of those things that I talk with a lot of people about, that silent support group, right? Nobody ever talks about the people that do everything behind the scenes that allow us to pursue our passions whether it's your family, your spouse, hell, it, for me, it's my dog, right? <laughs> I got my dog so dang well trained that she just takes care of the camp when I'm not there. But it's, it's really important that people understand and realize everything on the backside that goes into these hunts that allow us to have our time. Or, you know, if you're lucky enough to have somebody that hunts with you, it's the same concept. That support group is so important. And uh, I was have to say, I'm glad we're touching on this topic because it's exactly one of my questions, Carter. I, I'm loving this conversation. Yeah, my wife, uh, she gets to go to Florida more than anybody who doesn't live in Florida gets to go there. Um, every year, I mean, we're, we're planning multiple trips down there because that's what she loves. I mean, if she could do anything, she would sit on the beach with a, a rum and Coke and just do absolutely nothing. So when we go to the beach, it's not even like, hey, babe, can you watch the kids for a little bit? I want to go fish. No, when we're at the beach, she's getting tan. I'm digging sandcastles or bearing my daughter up to her neck or, you know, carrying them out in the waves because 
it's a give and take and we don't keep score. Like I've heard of other couples where it's like, Oh, you got to go do that. I'm going to do this. No, we both just give. And so if I need to do something, she's fully on board and supportive. And then the same thing when it comes time for her to unwind. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think that's a, that's a hell of a pro tip for any of you fellas out there that are, um, you know, got girlfriends or fiancés, or even if you're already married, you know, young married, same, same deal with my wife, man. It's like when, when we go to the beach, that's what she wants to do. She, She prefers margaritas, but you know, other than that, it sounds like they would get along during their beach time. So, but I mean, you, you, you hit it. It's like that keeping score is not going to work. And when we're, you know, when we're as busy as we are, you know, work. Um, I mean, my wife works full time. We got two young kids, very similar in age to yours. And it's like, if you try to keep score and it's like, Oh, I, I went on this hunting trip. So, so now I get to go to the beach or vice versa. Like that's just not, it's not a recipe for a, for a, um, a you know, long-term success. And for those of us that are, interested in these passions that require us to be away from our family. Um, that's a hell of a pro tip to keep in mind. Yeah, we've been doing that for a while now. I mean, just we, we both try to take time. We make sure the kids get to experience adventure, whether that's on a road trip or, um, you know, just here close to town, taking them down to the river. And it's funny because my wife, I mean, she was a hip hop dance instructor when we started dating. She never thought she was going to marry a guy who had 15 types of camo, speared frogs at the end of June at night with spotlights while walking through dirty cattle ponds. But it's funny to see how much she's come along in wanting to join me in my passions and hobbies. And it's the same thing on the other end. When she wants to write a book, I'm helping her edit it or she'll bounce TikTok ideas off of me. I would have never guessed that I was going to be doing that kind of stuff, but you give and you take, you just support one another and it's going to work out. All right. So you hooked me up with the new iguana idea. I'm going to go ahead and give one for you. Hip hop dancing in the swamps of Louisiana while spearing frogs. I don't know how you make this work, but I feel like the two of you got this just perfectly planned out. I got it. We got to watch this on TikTok next. Listen, I'm not coordinated at all. I mean, if you guys have watched any of my TikToks or my wife's where I'm having to dance, she gets more comments on those than when I'm not there, but it's all because people are trash talking me. And so if you put a gig in a boat and I have to dance, someone's dying. <laughs> Hopefully the frogs. <laughs> I did want to ask you, Dan, do you deal with a lot of negativity on that platform in particular? And, and how do you deal with that? Or does it not phase you? You know, I've, I've definitely encountered some, but I remember, uh, one of the first videos that went viral, it got like mid 3000 in comments. So like probably say 3,400 comments. I read through every single one of them and I was blown away by the end of those comments. And I realized that TikTok, that people are pretty supportive. And if they're like following you or you're popping up on their page, it's because they're into the same content that you're producing. And so out of all of those comments, I had five negative comments. And if I do something on Instagram or Facebook, oh my gosh, I could say like mechanical broadheads are awesome. And I would have death threats being sent to me and my family. That's an interesting dynamic, man. I I wouldn't have guessed that. It almost gives you some, some faith in humanity there. And I'm glad you're not getting negativity from all angles. That, That makes me happy. 
Yeah, it's been it's been pretty encouraging to see how many people hop on board and they're like, "Man, you made me want to start a podcast or I'm going to I'm going to actually buy a camera and start filming my hunts and make a YouTube channel." And I'm like, "This is awesome for everybody to encourage each other and then just going on and liking and leaving a comment. When you see your buddy's video pop up, just to encourage them in that way and then anytime you respond, hit the like button, that's bumping their stuff up and pushing it out to more people's for you pages. Um, as far as the actual negativity goes, I typically talk to people. I mean, I, I try not to come back in a negative way. Um, I'm just not that guy. I'm not super confrontational unless like you mess with my family. Right. But if you're just totally against hunting and you try to make it known to me, I want to hear why, because people have valid reasons for not wanting to go hunting. I, I actually got to talk with a girl. We competed on a TV show, like a renovation show last year. And one of the girls on my team, she wasn't like full vegan, but she only, she would only eat fish. Uh, it's like pescatarian or something. And so going into the competition, I was talking with her and she's like, I'm just curious, how do you not cry every time you kill an animal? And we sat down and we talked and talked and talked about it and had a civil conversation. That's one thing people need to understand, like stay civil. Nobody, nobody wins if you get super heated about it. Um, but I saw her again about a month ago and she came up to me and she's like, Dan, Dan, I started shooting guns and I was like, Whoa, what? And she's like, yeah, I did. I was like, what were you shooting? Like, were you shooting at animals, paper, steel? She's like, we were shooting at steel and it would make that ting every time you hit it. And it was awesome. And I'm like, okay, so you were probably shooting pistols. And she's like, yeah, I said, come down to Missouri sometime. We'll shoot, we'll shoot clay pigeons. If you enjoyed that, like you'll enjoy shooting clays. And she's like, it has no idea what it is. Right. And I'm like, now you're shooting at things that are flying in the air and she, her eyes lit up and I'm like, this is a girl who would have never touched a gun before. She would be completely against anything involving firearms, archery equipment, or something you could use to kill an animal. And we just talked, we had a good conversation and then we left it at that and come to find out a year later, she's starting to shoot stuff. She said she's not fully ready to go hunting, but she's definitely getting there. You know, that's kind of a lost art too, as we talk about relating with individuals through social media platforms, it's the ability to communicate. We've touched about this on a few of our, our different podcasts, but the ability to have a constructive conversation is something that our generations have lost. And it's very simple, right? You're listening and you're responding to what you're listening to, but you're actually listening to it. And then to hear a story where you've not only influenced an individual who might've been, like you said, hundred percent against our industry, but to educate them in a manner that was constructive and may change their life forever. You have no idea what kind of possibilities this is going to open this woman up to, whether it's life experiences, um, hunting in general, or just heck she's shooting guns. Now self-defense, there's just so many possibilities that you're able to open somebody's mind up to from casual calm conversations that you might never get to have just because it's a lost art within our, our culture. Yeah, I've I've kind of made a rule where I treat I treat strangers in conversations like they're my best friend and I leave all the serious arguing for my best friends. Uh because we know we can take it. We know each other's personality and if we're going to get into it about if a Matthews, a PSE or a Botech is the best, you know, like that's totally fine. 
but I would never do that to somebody who's first getting into the sport because it could turn them away. My buddies have thick skin and I know that. So that's why we can get away with it. Yeah, that's a really important distinction. And uh, once again, that's a, that's a nod to, to kind of your authenticity uh, within the industry, man. And it's also a nod to kind of your, your podcast and how you decide to run your platforms, man. And I, w- I kind of want to unpack both of them. I'm thinking of the Western rookie in, in particular, um, you, you know, not excluding anybody who's new to hunting or the outdoors in general. Um, do you want to kind of give us uh, a little bit of background and maybe kind of your mission between each of these podcasts and maybe tell us how the Western rookie fell into your uh, lap and, you know, where you're, you, you've run with it since taking it over? Yeah. So, uh, first with the nomadic outdoorsman, my whole idea behind that is just sharing stories. I want people to be able to share about the experiences that they have, because I would have never known that shooting iguanas with a blowgun was a big deal. If I only talked to big name whitetail hunters. And so I said, I'm going to cover everything from frog gigging to moose hunting. And I hope to experience a lot of it at some point. And yeah, that whole, that whole concept there is just teaching people about opportunities that are close to home and that, you know, in each state, there's dozens of things that you can pursue, whether it's fish or, or animals uh, or mammals. Um, and then on the Western rookie front, that one, yeah, it kind of fell in my lap. I joined uh, sportsman's empire. It was formerly sportsman's nation podcast network, uh, joined that and quickly became friends with Dan Johnson. And he was like, Hey man, there's a cool opportunity to, to take over a podcast. We're going to rebrand it, rename it, um, but it's going to be called the, the Western Rookie. And the whole idea is to share with people tips and tricks about how to go out west and hunt. And so I took it over, started going with it, and I was like, man, I don't want to only tell people like the tips and tricks about it, but just open them up to the opportunities that are out there. Because most people don't realize like I didn't growing up in Wisconsin. I, if you told me that I could go out and elk hunt in Colorado, I would have been like, oh yeah, man, once I make, you know, $200,000 a year, sure. I'll go drop 15 grand in elk hunt. And I realized pretty quickly, like, man, if you just cut back on Starbucks once a week for a year, you can afford an elk hunt in Colorado, or you can put in for a moose hunt in Wyoming. And I really do want people to understand that even if it's not Western, sometimes I go North, sometimes I talk about Eastern opportunities, but I just want people to understand like some of these really big, like flashy hunts you can do on a budget and you might not be successful every time, but you're going to have the time of your life and you stick with it long enough. You'll figure it out and you will find success. Yeah, we've had, we've had that, that same discussion. And I think it's one that can't be emphasized enough. I'm, I had my first two um, Western hunts ever last year. And both of them were, um, I don't want to say last minute, but it wasn't something that I spent years planning. You know what I mean? Um, one was a was a Colorado antelope hunt over the counter tag. I went with Luke, um, my cousin. Um, he, he lives out there in Colorado, had an opportunity to come up. We were, we were going to go out and visit to see their new baby. He was like, man, let's, let's, uh, let's do some antelope hunting just buy an over the counter tag. We'll go out and there's a unit not too far. Extremely affordable. I, it was, I'd been out West, but I'd never hunted out West. Dude. I had the time of my life. We spent three days, uh, hiked God knows how many miles and 
I missed an antelope with a muzzleloader, learned a ton. I mean, it was amazing. And I feel like now after one, one trip like that, where I honestly spent very little money, I could go out there and have a reasonable chance of success by myself, antelope hunting in, in that type of environment. And if you had told me five years ago, I'd be like, yeah, it's like you're saying that's, that's the type of hunt that, you know, just seems absolutely unattainable and it's really not. Yeah. And the cool part is like, I'm learning all this along with the listeners because I've got a couple of years of Western hunting under my belt, but I'm buying like you dropped me in a new state. I'm going to struggle for a while, but I'm trying to figure out those tips and tricks. And then like you were talking about the money saving side of it. One of the best tips that I ever got was, was from a listener. He's been on, he's been on both podcasts now, but he told me about getting a U-Haul instead of renting a vehicle for your hunt. And I was like, what? He's like, dude, you get like, you rent a U-Haul van, just a small one or even a box truck. Sometimes you can get them for like 35 bucks a day. You have all the room for your gear. You've got a shelter when you get back. Like you don't have to have a super nice vehicle, especially like for me, I've driven like one of my most recent vehicles was a 91 Camry. And to tell you how old a 91 Camry is, when I got in and shut the door, the the seatbelt didn't give me an option. It rolled up along the window and locked me in place. And so I'm like, man, if I would have known that, I could have gone on more out-of-state hunts, just rent a U-Haul for the week. First of all, that's fantastic advice because that's exactly what Luke and I did on our antelope hunt in Wyoming. I also have, I only have three Western hunts under my belt. And so that's why Western rookie appeals to me so much, but the U-Haul tip is legit and it is an excellent tactic. We, it gets you, especially in Wyoming, it gets you out of the wind. It gets you up off the ground. Uh, you can put a little heater in there. Um, you can, Luke had a, a pretty, pretty bang up, uh, camp running in the back of this U-Haul. And then we would just drop it and then take the truck and we'd go hunting and go hike up the bighorns every morning and then come back to a nice, warm, clean U-Haul. That's a, that's a, that's a top notch trick right there. I love it. I, I've been wanting to build out my next, my next project as far as renovation goes of a vehicle. I really want to build out an ambulance. I feel like an ambulance would be the greatest hunting rig on the planet. I mean, you've already got, typically you've got water in there. You've got the heat, plenty of lighting. And then the amount of storage for gear on the outside. Oh man, I won't be renting an ambulance if, or I mean, I won't be renting a U-Haul if I build that out. That'll be my go-to every time. Yeah, that would be legit, man. That'd be freaking awesome. Especially if you could, you know, get one in four wheel drive and then you can really get out of some sticky situations. Then you'd be in business. You could be traveling all over the place. That's been the biggest challenge for me is trying to find one that does have four wheel drive. I know they can do like cab swaps and stuff like that or convert them to four wheel, but that gets expensive in a hurry. So I, I've, I've bounced around. I don't know why I feel like funny vehicles and turning them into hunting rigs just might be my calling in life. I mean, I've <laughs> thought about like a, you imagine a UPS truck just rolling up. You can tell I just peeled the stickers off of it <laughs> and I just roll up and hop out ready to roll. That'd be awesome, man. Yeah. It could be a guy service. What, what can Brown do for you? <laughs> <laughs> Is that where, is that where the nomadic part of your, your brand comes from, Dan? Yeah, we, we've always liked to travel. I mean, we, 
man, I don't even know how many states we hit a year. I think this year we've already been to Florida three times. I've been to Texas a couple, Utah, Colorado, Wisconsin. And so we just go. I mean, we picked up the motto right about the time that we got married, always choose adventure. And so no matter what life throws at you, we go the adventurous route. If it's like, oh, this is safe, this is easy, we know the outcome, odds are we're not going to do it. We're going to find a more creative way to get to from point A to point B. And so we've enjoyed traveling. Uh, we get the kids involved with it, and they've been to more states at this point at five and four than I had until I was like 31 years old. So, um, yeah, that's definitely where Nomadic comes from. And I tell my wife, anytime we... Anytime we vacation or every new state we go to, I want to do something outdoors. And so when I started thinking about names for the podcast, my buddy was with me actually. And he's like, we're, we're bouncing off names. And he's like, dude, I got it. It's over. Like, don't even wor- waste your time thinking anymore. The nomadic outdoorsman. And I was like, I couldn't think of a better fit for us in our lifestyle. I love that. It's a, it's a name that fits your, your, your brand, your lifestyle and makes perfect sense. And then with regards to the Western rookie, you didn't have to worry about naming that, but you just kind of fell into that role. Yeah. So, so Dan had the name already picked out and we had been bouncing back and forth ideas and we still are about potentially a third podcast. We'll see if I've got the bandwidth for that. But, um, yeah, he was like, dude, I think this would be a no brainer. People are want, they're wanting to explore more. And luckily there's so many TV shows out there where guys go from state to state and hunt and meat eater kind of blew that market wide open. I feel like, um, but it's like people are uneducated and it can be overwhelming not knowing what you're doing. And that fear of the unknown keeps a lot of people from going out and trying it. So the more educated we can, uh, get people when it comes to out of state hunts or new opportunities, even in their own state, I think the more engagement we're going to have and people are going to, be all year long hunters instead of like the nine day deer season or a a quick turkey season it is overwhelming and i can i can tell you the exact episode of meat eater that convinced me that i could go to wyoming and go on an antelope hunt and i did it that year with my best friend and we were both successful didn't even know what the hell a preference point was had never been to wyoming before went out there had never seen an antelope before went out there and we both killed antelope and that, you know, I will never, I will always be thankful to that episode and to that uh, company in general for opening my eyes to, hey, this is an option. And that's what I love about the Western Rookie so much. Like, I cannot stress that enough. Like, listeners, you need to go listen to the Western Rookie if you have any interest in hunting out West at all. Because hunters, we can be our own worst enemies in our community and the gatekeeping and like, the the unwillingness to share information to newbies or like people who ask like quote unquote dumb questions or whatever that can, that can really put folks down especially when you're new and getting into it if you post on forums or, or facebook groups or things like that um hunters can be ab- abrasive to the point of unwelcoming uh and I, I experienced that when i first tried to get into western hunting and and you are so willing to share stories and experiences and tips and tactics and I, I love that because it should be shared, right? It all, it all should be shared, especially if you're out there hunting public and, you know, uh, you know, it's everybody's land and everybody should be out there and chasing whatever the heck they want. 
that's another one of those things that bothers me. I feel like everybody gets so caught up on, I've got to keep my spot secret or I don't want anybody hunting near me or anything like that. At the end of the day, we all have the same goal as outdoorsmen. It's, it's very simple to me. You know, it's all about conservation and preserving our way of life. If we could get more of a mindset, more of a focus around that, similar to the Western rookie where we're all helping each other out, we wouldn't have public land bans. We wouldn't have to be sitting here fighting for our rights as hunters. Everybody would understand where we're coming from and what we're doing. It's just, we've got to talk. We're one of the largest communities in the world. We have to talk and we have to be open with each other and we've got to educate. Yeah. A couple things right off the bat with that. I I've found that people who are in your same situation, like an out of state guy going out to Montana for a hunt, they're going to be way more open to sharing that information with you. And I saw that firsthand this last year. I took uh, four new guys out that had never elk hunted before. And we went out to Colorado to a unit in a county that I had never been. And we were trying to figure it out. We got out there two days early, set up camp, did some scouting, found a really, really nice bull uh, two days before season. And we ran into people like everyone started rolling in the day before. And it was sad to see, but also very interesting, like the dynamic between meeting up with local hunters or talking to them on side-by-sides or four-wheelers and then the out-of-staters. We talked to so many people that weren't from Colorado and they would share so many tips. Man, I just saw a big mule deer down here, uh, big elk, like we saw 15 elk run through the bottom yesterday. And then the, the Colorado residents, unfortunately, almost every one of them pointed us to the opposite side of the unit from where they were hunting. Oh, you're not going to find any big elk here. And it's like, oh, what are you hunting? Oh, we're hunting elk. Oh, so you're just hunting in the worst spot in the, in the unit. That makes sense. You know? And I'm like, man, it's unfortunate that, that people are so secretive about it. And don't get me wrong. I'm not going to give up every fishing hole, but don't, don't be turned off. You can, you can even say like, Hey man, we don't want to tell you exactly where we're hunting, but this is the type of topography you want to look for, you know, look under a shelf or, you know, when you're, when you're hitting a switchback, look back up underneath the two track that you drove in because sometimes they'll tuck in right underneath or, you know, in the evenings, go to this spot. You can still share information without giving up exactly where you should be hunting. And yeah, I, I feel like if we were all more open and, and just helped the next guy out, we're going to pass the sport along just fine. But it's when we get in these little tiffs about the gear we use or what kind of camo or what broadhead, um, or even what unit you're hunting in and where to hunt, it's going to, it's going to be a detriment to the sport instead of benefiting it. And not to get on a political high horse here. I mean, here in Colorado, we saw this aggressively last year, right? There's a, a huge lack of communication between the outdoor community and everyone else here. We voted to have wolves reintroduced into our state. It should never have gotten to that point. And if we could just reach out as hunters and conservationists and have educational conversations with individuals, we could get these point across in a very civil manner. And next thing you know, everybody's on the same page. You might not agree with my opinion, but you at least understand and you're at least educated. Yeah, I think the education side of it's a big thing. I mean, I don't know everything, right? I mean, none of us do. But if we can just share little tips and tricks or or get people into that mindset of never, like, don't ever stop learning. No matter what you're doing, if you always are a student of whatever you're pursuing, 
whether that be animals or a career. If you're a student and you keep gathering information, the only thing that's going to do is you're going to be better off for it and and whatever it is that you're going after is going to be better off for it. It's a great point. And I, I think as it pertains to Western hunting, um, you know, Carter, you mentioned the story with that, with that meat eater episode. I think <clears throat> a podcast like the Western rookie, where you're specifically targeting those folks like myself, like Carter, who are, you know, Eastern boys, I grew up hunting the same family farm for whitetail my entire life. You know, the vast majority of my hunting uh, for most of my life was in Southwestern Virginia and Northwestern North Carolina. I viewed those types of hunts as a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's not like my old man was going out there and chasing elk or chasing antelope out West. I didn't have friends or, or you know, buddies or, or family members that did. And <clears throat> that, that education that you speak of to have a, you know, a podcast like yours, that's, that's attainable, it's digestible. And, you know, some kid in North Carolina can listen to that and say, man, I could actually, you know, save a few bucks, pick up a little overtime, um, do a little bit of research, listen to some podcasts, maybe chat to some folks, reach out, you know, on social media, talk to somebody. And there's a chance I could be in Colorado hunting antelope next year. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I love the idea of just sharing stuff like that with other people. And one thing that I, I wanted to focus on with the Western Rookie is to get the the different levels of experience on the show to talk about hunting. So I would love to have Randy Newberg on the show to talk about elk hunting or, you know, um, the guys from Phelps to talk about calling. But they... <laughs> A lot of them are like 500 steps beyond where I am or somebody else's that's wanting to go out and they've forgot more about elk hunting than I'll ever know. And so I'm like, okay, maybe on a couple episodes, I'm going to have somebody who just got back from their very first hunt. What went right? What went wrong? What are you going to change? And I'll throw my two cents in on some of it. Like one of the best tips that I've, I feel like I give to people now and it's, it's a game changer. If you guys don't do this already, you need to try it. I went and I got like the cheapest version of Crocs from Walmart that I possibly could. I mean, together they weigh less than a pound, right? Throw those suckers on a carabiner and at the end of a mountain goat hunt where you just climbed up to 13,000 feet and then back down to camp, taking off your boots and just slipping a cheap pair of Crocs on is, it, it's like mind blowing, right? I'm still personally waiting for Crispy to come out with their own version of Crocs because mine literally go with me on every hunt and everything I do. There's actually times I forget to throw my boots on and I'll just go ahead and stock out on my Crocs and not to mention the fact that you can actually stock in Crocs. Pro tip, Crocs, if you don't have them, buy them. If you don't want to buy them because you feel like you're going to be a 90-year-old woman on the beach, just put that aside. Crocs are awesome. My wife still hasn't signed on for me getting an actual pair of camouflage Crocs. She's like, listen, I'm, I'm good with being married to a hunter, but that is as trashy as it gets. And I'm like, you don't understand, babe. These things have four-wheel drive mode. You flip the back up and you're ready to rock anywhere. Hell yeah, you uh, get out of any mud bog that you get stuck in. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, fingers crossed, Father's Day this year, I've got a camouflage pair of Crocs. Dude, trashy right here, hundred percent. I I work outside. I walk in the woods for a living, and I spent years 
walking in boots all day, wearing the same boots home. You know, you spend 12 hours in your boots. Dude, last year, I made the change. I became full white trash. I bought that pair of camouflage Crocs. I take them with me in the truck every time I'm in the field. Every hunt, it's a total game changer. Take the leap, dude. You're not going to regret it. This is not a paid Crocs endorsement, by the way. It's just, I mean, you got to take care of your feet, right? Something that simple, especially for a new hunter like we were talking about. I mean, we're joking, but like something that simple can can honestly make a big difference in how you feel at the end of the day. I feel like my wife telling me that it's trashy to wear Crocs is really funny because she's talking to me. And I used to host a 4th of July party on my property called the White Trash Succotash Bash. And I would legitimately have a handlebar mustache, star on one side, stripes on the other, and like the facial hair, shave mullets. I would shave weird shapes into my chest hair just to be more patriotic. So if you're telling me that camouflage Crocs is the breaking point, I don't know where she's been the last couple of years. (laughs) We're way past Crocs at this point. (laughs) She probably draws the line at shaving a Croc outline into your chest. At that point, it might be a little too much, which by the way... I know this isn't a paid sponsorship, but Crocs, if there's anybody on there from the marketing team, hey, hit us up. I mean, we're doing great for you right now. Shout out Crocs for sure. Dude, I would love to be sponsored by Crocs. Oh, man, that would be. Yeah, that'd be really great. <laughs> what um, Dan, what kind of helped you make the leap into going full bore outdoor industry, full bore hunting? So it was a combination of a couple things. One, like I said, that that life motto that we have, always choose adventure. Um, and then we've never found success based off of how many zeros are at the end of our bank account statement, right? It's all about how much time we have to do what we love. That is what we gauge success by. And I said, listen, my kids are young. I'm not going to get this time back. I could just go work dead-end jobs or or be stuck in the same cubicle my entire life. And that's fine for some people. But for us, we wanted more time together as a family, more time to travel. And we we couldn't care less. If we had just enough to pay our bills every month or, you know, a mansion on a hill, it, it'd all be the same. If we don't have the time to do what we want, we we don't want any part of it. And so that's when I said, hey, listen, we've got we've got some money saved up. We We've done a little bit of everything. I mean, I've done construction for a long time. We renovated RVs for a while. My wife was a really good wedding coordinator and we would coordinate weddings together. So we've kind of, we, we've always been kind of serial entrepreneurs. And so we had some cash left over from a few jobs and we said, Hey, we're going to kick this podcast off. If it, if it goes well, awesome. If five people are influenced positively by it or we convert three new hunters it's a success it doesn't matter if it's got a million views or downloads or three people who got into the sport because of it i'm happy with it and so we didn't really pursue it as a business we pursued pursued it as a like a passion project if you will and now it's turned into something that i would have never dreamed those are always the projects that seem to um seem to end up there anyway i mean not always right there's obviously a hundred different ways to to approach running a business but if you if you find yourself doing something that you're passionate about and if you can do it with your wife and your family is included in that i mean that's uh, that's living the dream luke and i had a, a a similar conversation i mean golly it's been 
about a year and a half now. And he had, he had started HLE and he's like I said, he's still, um, you know, in the army doing, doing that whole thing. And he just, he kind of had this idea. He's very, you know, similar to you, very entrepreneurial. And he was like, man, we should start a podcast. And I was like, dude, who's going to listen to us? Like, we're no experts. Like, you know who he was like, man. And and we got to talking about it. He's like, you know, if, if, if a handful of people listen every week, then, then it'll be worth it. And we'll keep doing it. You know, it's not about necessarily um, having, you know, the most followers. It was just, we love talking about hunting. Um, We love talking about a lot of these issues that we've touched on tonight. And there's, there's people out there that, that want to listen to that. And I mean, if, if it's something you're passionate about, take the leap. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, in every area of life, I just, I enjoy like something new also like being stuck in the rut. If I had to, if I had to have the same schedule every week for the rest of my life, man, you might as well put me in the ground, you know? And so like go out, take the leap, pursue what you're passionate about. And if you're chasing the dollar signs, you're probably going to end up unhappy with it. That can be a benefit to whatever you do. But if that's the only reason for doing it, you'll get burnt out in a hurry. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at now. We're, we're loving life. And honestly, the connections that I've made with absolute nobodies, they're like, hey, I'm sure you're not going to respond to this message because I only have 12 Facebook followers. And I'm like, I couldn't care less about that, man. If your email is exciting and like I can tell you're passionate about it, come hop on the call or I make these offers to almost everybody I talk to. And it's surprising how few people take me up on it. But for you guys, if you're ever in Missouri, you want to come and hunt, dude, I got a spot for you. We'll go turkey hunt, duck hunt, deer hunt. It doesn't matter to me. I'll give up a couple deer to make some new friendships. So, yeah, I hear that, man. You're, you're, you're our kind of people. And, you know, we, we resonate with exactly what you're saying. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher during the day and, you know, jumping into this hunt, lift, eat podcast realm uh, by night has been uh, far more rewarding than I ever could have anticipated. And, you know, getting to talk about hunting with folks from all over the country uh, in the evenings has actually been (laughs) phenomenal for me from a mental health point of view and from a meeting folks point of view and just getting to meet some fantastic people. And and I'm sure that resonates with you as well, Dan, and what you're doing is really respectable. And, you know, you have, you have my respect and you have my, you know, full, full support, subscribe and, and, and listens and everybody should check out your podcast. And, you know, we just love what you're doing, man. I really appreciate it. I'm going to, I'm going to keep grinding, keep knocking it out and hopefully making a couple people laugh on TikTok and, and all my buddies shake their heads when they see him. <laughs> I love that, man. Before we uh before we wrap this one up, Dan, what uh what hunts do you have on the on the book for for this upcoming fall and winter? Anything exciting? Other obviously we touched on the African safari, which is <laughs> incredible. But uh, what what else is in store? Yeah, so uh, South Africa, hopefully in April. I've got a really good friend, Linnea. Um, she's from the van life community, but she just drew her first tag, and so we're gonna go out to Uha gosh, Utah and do a mule deer hunt. She bought a, she, gosh, 
Um, she bought a, a bow last year and started practicing with it and absolutely loves it. And so I'm going to take her out there and I've never been there for mule deer, um, but we're going to give it a shot. Uh, I'll be up in Wisconsin for whitetail season. Uh, the orange army represent every year. Um, I've got all my Missouri hunts. I'm still waiting on draw results for Missouri elk and bear and, uh, Maine moose. I haven't found out about any of those. Let's see. I've got Colorado second rifle. Um, I'll be back out there for elk and I'll probably pick up a bonus bear tag and then I'll be back in Utah for mountain lion this fall and hopefully back on another helicopter hog hunt in Texas because that is the funnest thing you can do with pants on and it's maybe more fun than things you can do without pants on. So let's just hope your wife doesn't listen to this one. (laughs) Oh, I, I made the mistake of telling her that as soon as I got off the helicopter. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't thrilled. <laughs> but she's probably never shot hogs from a helicopter, so. It was, she, she'd be like, it's way more fun than anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we'll see. I hope to get her out there. I really want to get my son out there. And honestly, that's probably the thing I'm looking forward to the most this year is my son. He's five in Missouri. You can legally hunt at six. And so his birthday falls before deer season. And so we'll be doing a lot of shooting this summer, getting him prepared. And uh, this will be my first year hunting on property that I actually own. We just picked up 10 acres and there's a lot of deer sign. There were tree stands up before I got there. So I think uh, I think that's a good sign for it as well. That's awesome, man. Congrats on that. That's that's huge. And, you know, we'd love to have you back on and, and talk. Perry and I could talk for an hour just about kids and introducing, you know, our kids to the outdoors. And I have one that's two. And so I'm always looking ahead. Perry's been through a couple steps before me. And so have you, Dan. Um, so we'd love to have you back on and, and, and talk about that or maybe unpack how your fall goes with your boy. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be more than down for that. And, uh, you guys, you guys need to come hop on the podcast and we'll chat all about Western hunting or literally anything you want, um, on either podcast. But, I, I think I'm going to start making a new rule where I will only do like two podcasts with people that aren't in person. And so like, we'll do two podcasts together. And after that, we better do them in person because we're hunting together. I love that. That's a really good rule. And I've got dreams of doing them from the field as well. And yeah, I love that. That's a really good rule. This is a, this is a great way to meet new folks. And, you know, like yourself, I'm, as Carter alluded to, we've had some awesome conversations, but man, it's always that much sweeter when you're sitting there around the campfire after a day out in the field, you know, drinking a cold one and, and, and reminiscing about those stories with your buddies. That's, that's what it's all about. With your Crocs on. With your Crocs on. Crocs only. Uh, Dan, one thing though, if you're going to be out here during second season for Rifle for Elk, I don't think I've got any... Yeah, I don't think I'm doing any films that uh, that season, so I'll have to hit you up, see if you guys need some help and strong back. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I, uh, I'm i going back. I think Second Rifle will forever be um, back at the elk camp that I first started elk hunting at because I, I haven't been there for two years. We moved back to Missouri, and then I took some new guys out this year. But, man, it's such it's such a good time. They've got probably, I think last year they had 22, 23 people out there. And they kind of all go their different ways throughout the week, but you better believe it's a it's a lively camp at night when everybody shows back up. Um, not everybody wears Crocs though. Safari Dave, he's got white 
rubber knee high boots. And sometimes that's all he's wearing. <laughs> Safari Dave. Safari Dave's has some stories. Oh, he's, he's definitely got some miles and, uh, he's a good guy, but yeah, uh, well, I'll be out there. I think this year it's like the 29th of October through the 6th of November, if I remember right, something like that. So I'll be heading out there probably three days early, get up to camp two days early, get set up and then hopefully put another bull down. Cause I'm two for two on elk out there and one for one on mule deer. As soon as I left there, I started striking out. So I'm going back. Heck yeah, man. You'll have to keep us updated and and we'll stay in contact, man. So we can jump into that and talk about that. But we're rolling up over an hour here, man. Uh, it's been a, it's been a pleasure, Dan. Um, we want to run around the horn and see if anybody has any closing thoughts. Caleb, what do you got for us, man? Um, first thing one on one, I know, I, I know Corey Jacobson is listening to this and if he takes iguanas one-on-one for me we're gonna have a problem dan you and i are going in on this iguana one-on-one it's gonna be a blast wait i'm back but uh yeah i you know what you're awesome you're cool we're back in we might even split it like 75 25 i don't care at this point iguana one-on-one is gonna happen dude i can't believe you're uh, taking 25 percent. that's awesome well i just want to shoot up an iguana with a blowgun quite frankly i, I don't even care <laughs> But uh, I think something that you guys touched on, and this is really resonates with me, especially with what I do on a day-to-day basis in, in life and outside of hunting, success isn't isn't measured, like you said, by a number in your bank account. And I think so many people get lost in this path. Success isn't where you're standing today. Success is how you got to where you're standing today. It's all about the journey and what it takes to get there. And if you spend your life doing something that you don't enjoy, that's not success. That's That's living. So really take a look at your life and really, really, really dive into what it is that make you happy and pursue it and just focus on being happy. At the end of the day, that journey is going to be more rewarding than anything else in life. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Oh, no, I was just going to I was going to jump in. And uh, I think my closing statement is going to be a little bit of all of that. But mainly, we should start our own crop crop company called iguanas and it'll be all about hiking i mean they've got a carabiner built into the back you clip them on your pack and yeah that's that's the route i want to go with the business could we make a pair of them like frito-lay colored so they kind of smell like an antelope according to luke combs and meat eater i like that idea maybe maybe they even have like a scent gland on the back you can put like some some animal essential oils and so every time you step, it squirts a little bit out. Dude, it's going to have a wafer drag. Dude, we got to talk to Gerard about that, Carter. Man, we, we, we really hit on something here. You have no idea, Dan. Man, I, th- <laughs> I think y'all are on to something. something. Something lucrative right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's that's awesome, man. No, I yeah, y'all every I echo everything y'all said. I mean, you know, we're all we're all out there. I mean, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing like um you know, killing an animal and getting that meat in the freezer and being able to share that experience with your friends and your family. But at the end of the day, that's not why we're hunters, right? We're hunters because we want to challenge ourselves because we have this passion for the outdoors. Um, we believe in conservation and, and we love these, these animals and these places. And so, you know, that, that journey, that, that willingness to, to learn something new, to be able to go out on a limb, take that Western trip that you've never taken before, or, you know, make a decision in your life to say, I'm going to pursue my passions as a profession rather than just as a hobby. Um, 
all those opportunities abound. And, uh, it, you know, it's great to talk with folks like you, Dan, that have, that have done that and done it su- successfully. So we appreciate your time tonight for sure. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. And um, I, I think for anybody listening out there, no matter who you're talking to, just just be civil. You're not going to win anybody over to the hunting community or to, you know, the fixed blade broadhead community by like bashing them or getting angry with them. Just have fun. I mean, that's what this is all about. If you're taking yourself too seriously to have fun, like find a different sport to play. Maybe maybe go do rugby. I don't think any of those guys have fun. Yeah, try TikTok instead. Yeah, Dan, uh, I just want to say thanks for your time, man. And I, I appreciate the heck out of what you're doing. I appreciate your mission and appreciate you using your platforms to share information with people rather than, you know, keeping it behind closed doors. And what you're doing is, is really awesome, and really special. So keep it up and you have the full full HLE support for whatever that means. Um, where can uh, where can folks come and find you on uh, social media, Dan? So on all platforms, uh, both looking for it on the podcast, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, the Nomadic Outdoorsman, and the Western Rookie. Yeah, so listeners, go go drop a follow and uh, give some listens to the podcast. Dan does a bang up job, and um, you know, stamp of approval right here, two thumbs up, two enthusiastic thumbs up. Um, so once again, Dan, thanks for your time, man, and uh, listeners, we appreciate the hell out of you guys, and we'll talk to you next week.